Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to get the job done. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Lindsay Pollock, author, speaker, and thinker extraordinaire. Lindsay's previous book, The Remix, How to Lead and Succeed in the Multi-Generational Workplace, was named a book of the month by both the Wall Street Journal and Financial Times. Now her fourth book is live this week, Recalculating, Navigating Your Career Through the Changing World of Work. And it speaks to job seekers and job holders of all generations to spotlight the skills we all need to learn as we come back to this new normal. All of which is to say, welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. So you just told me this is your fourth book. And I'm like, oh, my God, I read. I, 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 so where are you on your thinking? I just want to get totally into it on we've I think of you in all that great talk about the multi-generational workforce. But now that workforce needs to recalculate. So. What do we need to know? Let's get into it. I just want to get right into what I need to know. <laughs> I love that about you, and I do too. So I actually started my career with my first book. At, well, I started at Working Woman uh, Magazine, and they launched a website. So we have Working Mother shared in our background, as you know. <laughs> nah, yes. Yes, and the, the uh, demise of Working Woman is how I started my own business and, and began writing on my own. And my first book was Getting from College to Career, which was... Oh how I figured out how to start my career. And I honestly wrote the book I wish I had had when I was in that college situation. My second book, Becoming the Boss, was what I wish I had known before I managed people and all the mistakes (laughs) I made. And then truly, I really focused on that early career zone, which is still my passion and my mission. But people kept saying, well, like, what about everybody else, Lindsay? You know, Like, like nobody's existing in a bubble. You can't just hang out with young people. And I'm a Gen Xer, so I was in that demo. And um, that's when I started researching the remix and the multi-generational workplace because you have no choice. People are working 50, 60 years, and you might be sitting next to someone who is decades older or younger than you are. So I thought that was really important. Yeah. And the there's more of them that, than there are of us. When, you know, Gen X, it's a small generation, you know, in between the boomers and the millennials. So we have to learn how to work with them. That's exactly right. I call us bilingual. I mean, we have to speak boomer and we have to speak millennial and Gen Z. And by the way, as of 2019, millennials and Gen Zs who are 40 and younger are now the majority of the workforce and will be for a very long time. So it is survival <laughs> to be able to to speak that language. So that was my last book. Was, that was the, my world's largest sigh. <sighs> It's a good thing. You have to choose for it to be a good thing because yes, we have yep. no choice. No, um, they're great. I when I ran my startup after working mother, my staff, the average age was twenty seven. And I'll admit I came in like literally it was we were all in one big open room in Soho and I opened that door and I thought, Oy. but I learned so much. And and it, I know it's a cliche to to say that, but I but I did good, bad, and different. Just like I did from the generation above me, good, bad, and indifferent of the things you learn from. So, you know, and now we're all recalculating. So, because it doesn't matter what age you are, you're in a pandemic. (laughs) 
And that is exactly how this book was born. Here I was floating along on the multi-generational conversation, speaking about it, writing about it, thinking about it. And the brakes slammed on as they did for everybody in March of 2020. And my instinct when something that catastrophic happens is to write about it and to say, well, what do I need to know? I need to research the book that I need exactly what I did with getting from college to career. I mean, the, the generational diversity conversation, I think, is still very important, but obviously something became more important, right. which was the pandemic. And, you know, it's so funny. I am someone who has struggled with book titles. I don't know about you with article titles and editing, but that has never come easily to me. This is the first time on my fourth book where the title came first. I just had this image. I was sitting really? in my apartment, looking out the window at cars on the street. And I just had this image of that moment when you're driving and you make a wrong turn or, you know, somehow you end up where you didn't want to be and your GPS says recalculating. And I thought, God, yes. it's like all of us are sitting in our cars at the same moment globally and whatever path we were on, you know, we were driving along, minding our own business and suddenly we're all recalculating. And that was really how the idea was born. Wow. I love it. I love it. And so we don't want that circle going, you know, when it's recalculating, recalculating. We need it to actually gain traction and tell us which way to go. So how do we press the button that says, yes, we would like to take the new, <laughs> we would well, like to save some time. I'm very conscious. A lot of people said, well, what if you lose Wi-Fi? I'm like, all right, just get back to where there's Wi-Fi and let's start there. So I, I'm going to put aside that, that concern. You know, yeah, you've we, gotta, are pushing we want to press the button and we want to get what this recalculating is going to teach us. Yeah. Right? So you once know, you like- have a signal, let's start there. I actually felt very optimistic because I don't have the best sense of direction. And what I love about the GPS when it's recalculating is it says there is another way to get where you want to go. I love it. Yep. Right. You are not stranded. And, and I think this is so important, particularly for mid-career or later career professionals, you don't ever drive back to where you started and start completely over again. You take how far you've gotten and you use that to make your next move. So I think a lot of people are worried that the pandemic is going to make them start over in some way. That's not true. There are so many ways to pivot and reposition and rebrand and get more creative without completely starting from scratch. And I think that's really important to people right now. And sometimes, you know, this is, you know, as, as the talented writer that you are, this metaphor is so strong that sometimes, yes, in the brief, in the first two seconds, it may look like you are going lateral. It may even look like you stepped back a half step to get to that other road to go forward. But it's all part of a, the movement. It's all part of your traveling. And you're not, no, you're not going back to where you started, but it may look like for a second, you have to make some new decisions. The way you thought isn't, is blocked. It, and, you know, ways, if you listen to the boy band version of ways, police <laughs> reported it. So, you know, we want to go around. We want to go around the, you know, the pandemic and, and, and make it happen. But I think sometimes if you pulled out, it's like, ooh, that looks like a long detour. Eh, maybe you'll pick up some new skills. There's, there's all kinds of things you're going to see on this when you recalculate. I think that's so true. And I, I quoted in the book this very wise woman, Jennifer Owens, who was very kind <laughs> to speak to me about making a lateral move being a really big move in your career. Because I think one of the things the pandemic has taught us, and by the way, you know, I'm not the first to say it's really accelerated trends that were already happening. But the reality is nobody is on a straight career path right. anymore. It's it's gone. And so when you think about your career as a lattice or a circle or a jungle gym or 
a Ferris wheel, you know, there's so many um, analogies and, and metaphors to talk about. If you stop thinking that every job has to be the next logical step after the one before, yeah. you really free yourself to be much more open to opportunities. And by the way, I inter- I've interviewed a lot of people over 20 years, and very few people have that straight path. So it's kind right? of a myth anyway. Well, and when you're younger, I think it's a lesson I think we all end up having to learn by doing, maybe. And like, hopefully, you, this will speed people along on their journey to not be frightened of the lateral move or the uncommon move, you know, like one that mm-hmm. seems a little like, hmm. Because when, I think when you try so hard to get that first job and, you know, like I, we all have our stories, we get our foot in the door. And then it's, it is kind of simple. And, you know, like, you know, you can see the next job ahead of you, right? When, right when you start and you're like, oh, well, if I'm assistant, I want to be associate or whatever they are, yeah, whatever the path is. But like within like one or two steps, the world opens up and you're like, ooh, I could go anywhere. What could I do? Where, where should I go? And then it gets interesting. In the book, I share what I call five rules for recalculators, which is really like, what do I do on day one? And the very first rule is to embrace creativity, which is you have got to get out of this thinking that there's only one way to do things. And, you know, I've been working with college students and recent grads for a very long time. And most students or recent grads end up in a job at a company or an industry that they have never heard of. Because (laughs) if you only, it's just the way it works. So if you only apply for jobs you've heard of, you are limiting yourself to the tiniest percentage of opportunity when there is a world out there that you aren't even aware of. Right, right, right. Or you'll end up writing about brake pads and oil seals, which is what I did in college. (laughs) You know, but I bet you got something out of that. I mean, here you are interviewing someone in a book about recalculating in cars. So, you know, I'm willing to take this auto metaphor metaphor as far as you want it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, kids, it's not that exciting. Let me, I know it sounds glamorous, Brake pads and oil seals. Oh, and I also wrote a story about the little thing, the little transistor that goes click, 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 click when well, you do the great, turn signal. That's a great cocktail party story or Zoom party story. <laughs> is it though? Is it? <laughs> you know, I think, but I think this is really important because, you know, a question I get a lot is, you know, there's so much talk about dream jobs, right? And dream careers. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just have to take a job. And I have an entire chapter on the book of how to make any job a good job. Might not be the best job you ever had, But you choose whether you make it an opportunity. You can learn from absolutely any job. And I interviewed so many people who ended up working in grocery stores during the pandemic because there was a lot of opportunity there, particularly recent grads. And look, did they dream of being a cashier? No, but they learned about logistics. They got to talk to people. They made friends at the job. They learned more about their community. If you go in with the attitude that I'm going to make this something valuable for myself, you get to make that choice. I don't think there are any bad jobs. I think there's just a bad attitude going in. No, uh, that was a, we, now you're making me think of working mother uh, research we did about the difference between working for pay and a career job. Like uh, mm-hmm. we, we had to name it something as like paycheck jobs and career jobs. And it doesn't matter. It's not about how much you get paid. It's about where you see these opportunities. You see that, could you learn something new? Is there a place you'd want to go? Could you invest in your skills? Like these things that make it more and you're infinitely happier if you are, if you come at it with that mindset of what, what can I learn here? What can I know? Who can I meet? So I, I just, you're making me think of all of that and you are so right. And, and in these times of, and that was back before the pandemic, like long ago where we're not thinking like 
oh, we're desperate for just, you know, boy, that grocery store job, you know, popped up right at the right time. I needed to pay, pay my bills, you know. We had a little bit more flexibility in that in that regard of thinking about it. And still, you know, it's you can see, I just completely agree. You can see value in everything. You know, it, it's a mindset. You know, I think um, a lot of recruiters have told me that they are asking the question, especially now as we've been in this pandemic for so long, they're asking people, what did you do? You know, and uh, it's a perfectly yep. good answer to say, I took care of my family or I took care of yep. an ill relative, or I survived, or I took care of my mental health. But I had a lot of job seekers who were at very high levels who did things like they volunteered as contact tracers, right? Yeah. And they were able to say, you know, I chose to give a couple hours a week to give back, and that gave them a leg up in the in the competition. I also had a lot of recruiters say, I will never judge you for taking a job to support your family, ever. I will never, t- you know, criticize yeah. you for working you know, any kind of position so that you could make ends meet. And a lot of employers, particularly in the entry level, they love to hire students who paid their way through college, right? And work (laughs) free jobs. They like people who have worked in food service or customer service, because that means that you can handle the general public. So I think every job has value as long as you perceive it that way. Well, so now what are the, what is the new normal? You know, what it, what are you seeing? as you look into like the job market and these young people getting in, what is it? So there are a lot of things to think about. The reality is I don't think we know. And I think there are a lot of predictions out there about hybrid work and this and that. I think you have to take a much shorter term perspective right now, which is very difficult for type A over planners like me, but it's what we have to do. A lot of companies are making decisions for the next couple of months. And so you have to get yourself in that mindset. So first of all, look at who's thriving right now. And I I feel really strongly, you know, people talk about jobs of the future, you know, make sure your kid becomes a cloud computing expert or artificial intelligence, or you should learn to code. That's great. But so many experts said, don't look at jobs of the future, look at jobs of today, because that's where the opportunities are. And I think that's really, really important. I remember so well, I bet you do as a Gen Xer. Do you remember in the 80s, everybody wanted to take Japanese because they said Japan is going to be the economy of the future. And the kids who can speak Japanese are going to thrive. And then boom, Japan, you know, has a decade of, you know, economic disaster. Right, because they were writing mortgages at a 500-year term. Yeah, so that prediction was wrong, (laughs) right? So don't go for jobs of tomorrow, go for jobs of today. So LinkedIn has a hashtag hiring now which is the companies that are hiring right now. Take a look at that. Take a look at the topics on LinkedIn Learning that are the most popular right now. Look in your community. And you know something I don't think people think about, if you look at who's hiring now, it's grocery stores, it's logistics companies, it's Amazon. That doesn't mean you have to be a cashier or work in a factory. Those companies have HR jobs and accounts payable jobs and marketing jobs and operations jobs. So just because the industry might not be your dream come true or your fantasy, there's still a lot of jobs in those fields that are really important. So I would say take a shorter term view is the best approach in the new normal. That might change in six months or a year, but today, if you need a job or if you're trying to pivot in your organization, really take a shorter term view. Now, so recalculating is you know, I, you know, in my mind, I, I think it's what I call the hustle. Like, mm-hmm. where are we going? What are we doing? The energy, you know, where, where it is. And often I'm, I'm spurred to think about pivoting. Oh, it's all these different words. I like recalculating a lot better. It's a, 
much more descriptive and much more positive. The hustle has a bit of sweat tied to it. I'd like to be more thoughtful about how it goes. But I find that I often think about it, whatever it is, when I'm envious of someone. Mm. Like, like, ooh, that's it. And I, and I uh, have enough self-awareness to think, now, why am I a little envious? Like, what, what are they doing? How would I like to get there? You know, sometimes when in recalculating, you have to have a sense of where you'd like to be on the map. That's such a great point. I mean, you can't get in your car and expect the oh. GPS to drive you if you don't say where you're going, right? So I think that clarity on direction, but I couldn't agree with you more. I don't think, I think when you say a word like pivot, people think it's one time, right? right. It's sort of like there's right. a fork in the road and you make a change. That's not the world we live in. The people who I most admire are the ones who I think are kind of recalculating and pivoting all the time. Um, one of the people I interviewed said it's a feature, not a bug <laughs> anymore, right? Yeah, right. You've got to constantly be relearning, pivoting, trying new things. Like I just joined the new audio uh, social network clubhouse, right? Yep, and yep. I admire people who are on there giving it a shot, you know, and just like, all right, this is a new thing. I'm going to give it a try. And I think it's particularly important for older workers to never sort of say, all right, I'm just going to coast. I think, you know, I'm sort of envious that there used to be a world where you could coast because I don't think anyone can do that anymore. I think you have to stay relevant. Now, that doesn't mean going to graduate school or changing careers. It means watching one YouTube video to learn how to do something new. It's like these constant little recalibrations just to stay on top of things. Yes. And, And knowing that the, well, so like when I came out of college back in the dark ages, I went to journalism school and the goal was a newspaper job. And it not only that, but specifically either the, if you, if it was undergraduate, it was the Chicago Tribune. And if you were in graduate school, it was the Chicago Sun Times. And (laughs) like, literally that was like, either you, you won or you didn't win. And you know, the vast majority of kids were not going to end up there just by the sheer number of jobs and the graduates coming out every year. And they had one day as an undergraduate where they came in and talked about what used to be called trade magazines, B2B <laughs> magazines. And it was an odd collection. It was literally bakery ovens today and something about veterinary. <laughs> and it was, I held up a cover of a magazine with a, you know, that gloved hand and a cow and it was awful. And, you know, <laughs> we all walked away going, that's not I, you know, and I often think about that, that we... I I hope colleges are better at this, like just in my world of journalism school to say, do you know how many jobs there are that you could be doing with your skill? It's the world is your oyster. It's a matter of how you present yourself to it and what skills you add to it and the like. Because coming out and saying, all right, kids, dying industry, go have at it. (laughs) Not the right setup. It's not the right mindset, I think. Journalism is a perfect example of an industry where if you are not recalculating, <laughs> you are making a huge yes. mistake. Now, but I agree with you. You know, yes, traditional print journalism is on the decline, but the skills that you have as a journalist could apply to a million different areas. I'm a huge fan of taking a career assessment, which you can go to mm-hmm. University Career Center. You could have graduated. 50 years ago, and you can still go back to your alma mater, even if you live in the town or the state of a college, you can often access their services. Many of them offer free 
assessments. I have uh, a free assessment that I offer in the book from a company called Capfinity. It's called the Strengths Profile. There are a million 16personalities.com. There are millions of them online for free. But you have to take your skill set and stop thinking that there is one narrow path. Look at journalism. You could start a sub stack. You could work in communications. You can teach. You can do a million different things. And there was actually a, a study. I know you like the data, Jennifer. Yeah, There's I do. A study that I quoted um, from economists. They call it lane changing, which of course I love because let's take the car mm. as far as we can. And they said, you know, it's very, very rare, as we talked about, that you have to completely start over. There are so many industries that are yeah. maybe 10% of a skills difference, 20% of a skills difference. And the example that I give in the book, there was a chef who obviously during the pandemic was not going to be working in restaurants. And he was kind of tired of it anyway. Um, He'd worked in a restaurant for a long time. And he ended up taking an assessment, worked with his college career center. And he realized he had an incredible aptitude for logistics because he had ordered all the ingredients and done all the shipping and, you know, handled all of that in the restaurant. He took a one credit online class. He did need a little bit of reskilling. And he ended up getting a great job in logistics. So who would have thought restaurant service to logistics? But when you think about it and really apply the skills, it makes a lot of sense. It does. And and that he, you know, that what that uh, course gave him too was some of the lingo. Because that that's where I, I, I know for myself when I'm like, ooh, see, I, I like to collect words. I think recalculating is a good word. That's, that's really good. And it's so much stronger and more visceral than pivot which you're so right. It seems like a one-time thing, but like for the chef, go also learn the lingo of the logistics industry. So you can say your skill in the words they understand. Can I share another story about that? Uh, it sure. was really helpful. No, we don't tell stories <laughs> okay, Sorry. No. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a good girl. I still ask for permission. Um, I should have read more of my working woman magazines. For sure. Totally. Yes. I also want to say, it's also about limiting your language. So um, I I spoke to a woman who wanted to go from higher education, where she worked in a marketing role, to the entertainment industry. She wanted to make a really big change. Her resume talked about students and administrators, right? Mm -hmm. And what the career coach that she worked with on her resume and her LinkedIn profile and her interviewing said, don't talk about students. They are still consumers or customers or people. You know, sometimes just yeah. changing your language that little bit, don't talk about higher education marketing, just call it marketing. So sometimes we get so into the lingo of yeah. our current industry that if we make our terms a little bit more general, we realize that they're a lot more transferable. We have to edit ourselves. That's the secret. That's, you know, and and it's hard to do even, you know, I spend all my days like editing other people and it's, <laughs> it's hard because you're like, no, no, I did this and I did that. And, and that's always been a thing with my, when I am ready to make a change is that you try to bring all your bags with you, you know, mm. like, oh, but I also, you know, I ran a research institute. Oh, I did a magazine. Oh, I did, you know, and it's like, no, j- you know, you have that job. You're allowed to take things off of your resume. You're allowed to take things and skills and jobs. You know, that that area skills on LinkedIn, tons of people put that I can, I do resume critique, which I, you know, I've done for years because of my role, but I absolutely can't stand it. I just delete it. Anytime somebody endorses me for it, I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. And you know what? I'm allowed. You know, I hereby give you permission to, to never do that again. But I think you're so right that we sort of, sort of feel like we have to tell everybody everything. The other piece of this is 
how many people go into a job interview or any kind of job search or promotion situation, and they're basically negotiating against themselves. The people who've been very successful in the pandemic, and I'm talking people who maybe were at home for 10 years raising their kids or Mm -hmm. don't have a degree or got laid off, who would come in and the first words out of their mouth, recruiters would tell me would be, I know I'm probably not your best candidate because I've been out of the workforce for 10 years. Don't do that. You can go in and the people who succeeded were the ones who essentially said, I think I'm more of an asset to you because I'm fresh. I have a different skill set. My energy level is high. And they turned whatever they perceived to be a negative into a positive and a selling point. And those are the people who got the jobs. That's your point of differentiation. Own it, use it, love it. I, I, I completely. And it's a lesson. It's so easy to say. It's so hard to do. And it, when people say, oh, you should talk to a friend, like, like pitch yourself to a friend, test it out. Test it out. Just like think of it as media training. All the big celebrities, all the big CEOs do media training. Mm-hmm. You can do it for free. You know, do, do it with your sister, do it with your friend and, and explain what you do. And you have to practice. I mean, yeah. I remember my first job when I said my salary expectation out loud, my voice cracked because I had never yeah. said the number before in right. my life. You've got to practice. And the yep. reality is if you're negotiating for a promotion or a raise or a new job, you know what they're going to ask. Or you can go on the internet and Google yep. most common questions in a job interview. You absolutely have to practice. Yeah. It's not like talking to me where I'm going to ask weird questions where I go off into a tangent. The hiring managers are much more organized than I am. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining the Breadwinners, Lindsay. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you for everything that you do. Our guest today was Lindsay Pollock, and her book is out this week. So go find it. Go recalculate. Go make it happen. You will find links to her book in our episode description and her previous books. Now I have to go read your first two. Thank you very much. Can you take a pause and write in these books so I have a little time to catch up? Thank That's That's me. <laughs> Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Remember to subscribe and to rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.